What is up, guys, and welcome to another episode of Guarani Vision, the first ever podcast dedicated to Paraguayan football in English. As always, I'm Roberto Rojas, and joining me as always are my three great co-hosts, Federico Perez, Maria Britos, and Ralph Hanna. Guys, we're back. It's back to see. It's good to see everyone back here. It's been a while since we had all four of us here on Guarani Vision. Obviously, we have a lot to talk about. You know, so many things are happening in this world of Paraguayan football, both on the pitch and off the pitch. I'm sure there's some a lot of things that you guys want to talk about what's going off the pitch as we uh, really mentioned it just a couple minutes before we started recording but that's for another show in itself but I'm really excited about what's going on with this league race it seems like you know it's starting to change I mean everyone's talking about this league race happening in, in England with Manchester City and Liverpool we see some issue um, some drama over there in Italy with Syria but in Paraguay it seems like we have our own city in Liverpool really fighting it out there for the league so uh, we'll definitely talk about that. We got Copa Libertadores and Sudamericana. We did see a great result, actually, in Brazilian soil for one team. Uh, will that help them boost their chances of getting out of the group? We'll see. We can talk about that as well. But I'm happy to be back. I mean, Fede, I mean, obviously, you're going into right into May. I mean, the the, the league race is really heating up. Libertadores is also getting um, into the, the nitty gritty, you would say, for the Paraguayan team, Sudamericana as well. We'll see what happens there. But how have things been, man? I mean, it's, uh, I see there's always been, like, I always wake up every morning on Twitter to, to see what's going on in Paraguay, and you guys are getting a hell of a lot of rain, man. I mean, what the hell is going on there? Yeah, it's been a rainy month, I would say. We've had a lot of rain in the last month, a lot of mosquitoes going around here, waiting for colder temperatures around here in South America. It was nice to hear you compare our Paraguayan league to the Italian league to the Premier League. That was beautiful, Roberto. You got to do that for every intro. Uh, it's, I, 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 it's, uh, I'm happy to see everybody back. Maria had a pretty long spring break. I think she was the last one to come back. I, I've, I've heard spring break gets pretty crazy over there, but I didn't think it was going to take her that long. But I'm, I mean, I'm she happy. is in Miami. What do you expect? What yeah, expect? That, there was probably a lot of partying. No, she was actually working a lot. So I, I, I'm, I'm happy to see her back here. To, so we can hear her opinion about her Olympia, uh, obviously, about the national team. We're obviously going to talk about that in another episode, in a special episode, which I hope a lot of people uh, do watch. Also, we're going to talk about the league here. We're going to talk about Cerro Porteño, the crazy week they had beating Libertad and then losing to Taquari. I don't know. You guys are going to have to explain this to me. How does this happen? Uh, and... Obviously, talk about uh, Resistencia, uh, too. You know, the, the, this is one of the surprises uh, of the league. Uh, this is one of the teams that's there in the first uh, spots also. So, yeah, we, we need to give them some attention also. It's great to be back, Roberto. Let's get this ball rolling. Let's get this ball rolling as well. I think we also have to see of, a, of another guy who I think is very happy, maybe not after what we saw from Cedro, but definitely seeing from what we saw from his arsenal, uh, defeating Chelsea midweek. Obviously, I was there at NBC. Um, so I obviously, you know, you can thank me. You don't, you don't have to thank Mikel Arteta or any of the players that scored. You can thank me for being in the studio uh, that day that Arsenal beat Chelsea to boost their chances of top four. But yeah, I mean... You know, you kind of mentioned it, I think, in one of your articles on your on your um, blog, Ralph, which obviously you can always mention uh, Paraguay Football WordPress. Uh, he does a great job on that. And, you, and that's where I, I took that inspiration, Fed, of we have our very own city Liverpool race with the likes of Cedro and Libertad. And now as we get into the last two games for both these sides, especially after they faced each other, we're really getting into the nitty gritty, into the league action. 
Yeah, that's right. We we haven't decided who's City and who's Liverpool in this. Who's Pep? Who's Klopp between Garnero well, and Rich team would rich team maybe would be Libertad. Team go. with yeah. history would be Liverpool. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah, we could we could do that. Although Cerro have never won any European trophy or continental trophies, I should say, like Liverpool. So that's a, that's a a thorn, I guess, in the in that in that analogy. But yeah. Um, Wow, there's been a lot going on. Uh, the other team we should just mention, uh, because I like the Fede men- mentioned Resistencia that, that are doing well and got that draw last night with Libertad, probably should have won. We'll talk about that in more detail. But also Nacional. Nacional were doing really well last year. Then they struggled so much so that they got rid of their coach, uh, Roro Lopez. And now they put in Pedro Sarabia, who used to be at 12 de Octubre, and they've won four in a row. And there's there's oh, the only other teams that have managed to win four games in a row this season are Cerro and Libertad. So Nacional, they're not going to challenge for the title because of the bad start they had. But that's really interesting to see them come alive again after it was they sold their best their best player from last year, the top goal scorer to, to Ecuador. But now they found this other guy, this uh, this Argentinian guy, Fagundo Brurera, and he's like scoring all these goals. So they're they're an exciting team to to watch as well. So lots going on, lots of league action to keep us to keep us busy. And and that's what's been keeping the players busy as we'll talk about because they're getting very tired with all this all this action on the field. It almost does seem like the Premier League a little bit with all these games happening uh, almost every other day. And I'm you know switching gears now to, to Maria here, which we're happy to have her back here after uh, an extended spring break, like Fede like to mention. Um, I think obviously for Olympia's case, I mean, yeah, you would think that maybe for the league, they're not really going for it. But having said that, I think looking at how their Copa Libertadores group is being set up, obviously they're with Cedro, they're with Peñarol, and they're with Colón. I, I think, you know, heading into the next few, literally exactly next week, they are taking down Colón at home. So I think all the attention really is focused on that Copa Libertadores draw and, you know, really trying to get out of the group because I think for the league, I think it's still up to those two teams that we had mentioned in Libertad and Cerro Porteño. Yeah. Hey, guys. Uh, I'm happy to be back. I've been off the grid for a little bit, just working uh, a lot. And, and, you know, I think, you know, with Olympia, it's a special situation like always. But uh, we'll get more into details about them. Uh, I am looking forward to talking about how they've been doing because, um, you know, it's been crazy. It's been a crazy month for them, I think. And despite all that, they've been doing pretty decent compared to, you know, the the previous seasons. So I'm looking forward to talking about that and just, you know, talking about anything in Paraguay. You know, as always, there's always something crazy going on in Paraguay. (laughs) So, yeah, I'm happy to be back and uh, let's get the role going, like Fede said. Let's get it going. But first, let's go straight from back on Sunday where we saw kind of this big clash between our city and Liverpool comparison. I think it's going to be the last one that we do it here. Um, but we did see both Cerro Porteño and Libertad. This game had been really built up. We spoke about it last week about how it's really the top two teams. And really, I guess the winner of this could indeed have a good advantage uh, to win the league. And now what we saw from Cerro Porteño on the weekend was a complete and utter demolition from them. We see all them win 4 0. We'll talk about this game first. And Ralph, I'll go to you on this one. Goals from Aquino, Sergio Diaz, Carlos Rolón, and for the first time, Mark, uh, Marcelo Martins Moreno scoring his first goal for the club literally a week after his father had passed away. 
um, you know, th this was one way traffic. And, and, you know, one of the things that I think was going into this game and we spoke about it last week was how someone was going to stop and see so because he was the one that was kind of spearheading this lead at that side. He is the top goal scorer, still is the top goal scorer of the league at the moment, hitting double digits. But Cedar were just in complete control this entire game. And surprisingly, you would think for such a, a, a tight affair between, you know, two teams that are very much similar. They like to score goals and and really demonstrate their their attacking prowess. This was one-way traffic for Cedar Bortenio. Were you surprised for the result of Cedar Bortenio being able to score that many or for Liberta just not being able to to go past that that really outstanding defense, really the best defense that Cedar Bortenio have at the moment? I was, I was very surprised by the result, the size of the result. I mean, Libertad simply don't lose by four goals. The last time they had was something like 2014. They're not a team that gets rolled over like that. And I what I was most surprised, though, was Cerro, how they lined up. So Chiquiasi actually lined up with a back three. It's something he's... I thought he'd never done before, but a shout out to Pepe Torres, who, who's on Tigo Sports on the touchline. He remembered a game against Guairenia when he had tried out that, that back three. But that was that was a big surprise. But after the game, Chiquias actually told us, no, no, we've been practicing this for a long time, but the players haven't been convinced totally. Maybe I wasn't convinced, but today was the day we had to do it. And why did they have to do it? Because of Enciso, who you mentioned. They just couldn't afford to to have Enciso go in one-on-one -on -one against any of their defenders because he will he will beat them and he will score, which is what he always does. And they also couldn't afford to, to try and press very intensely in the middle, which they did do, with without that cover behind them of, of three defenders. So you had those two factors worked really well, I thought, for Cerro. So first, having that three at the back, you got Enciso very isolated, uh, Libertad didn't have a single shot on target in the whole game. So that, that just shows you how well that system worked. And also what they had was in the middle, their ball recovery was so good. So Cerro weren't trying to dominate possession too much, knowing that, that Libertad were hoping for that to hit them on the counterattack. So what they were doing is as soon as Libertad did win the ball uh, in, the, in the final third or in, the, in Cerro's final third or in the middle, they were like biting back really quickly. And Carrascal was very good at that. Pika Lucena was, was doing very well. And that breaking up the play didn't really allow Libertad to, to create any counterattacks. Um, and then I don't know what happened with Libertad. I mean, that's from the Cerro side for Libertad. Maybe they're frustrated. I'm for sure Garnero wasn't expecting them to line up that way. So he couldn't find a way to resolve it uh, because as soon as he tries to to change something for the second half, Cerro scored that, that third goal quite early into the, the second half. So, and then the game's away from them. Uh, so for Libertad, it must have been, it, it must have just been a shock to see the system, but also they, they didn't really have the way to the kind of tactical intelligence, I guess, to try and adapt during the game to, to anything that was going on. But yeah, brilliant performance from, from Cerro in that match. And another thing to remember is they played the Colón game midweek. It's pretty much, it's a fairly similar team. Someone like Peter Spinale isn't there. He's injured, which is also part of the reason they go for the three. Um, but, but they had almost the same team they were using as Colón. So those players must have been very tired, but came into it and, and went for it. Whereas Libertad had played a kind of 
changed team against Caracas and then they went to this game again with supposedly fresher players and and players with more energy but but just once up to the task so yeah brilliant game from from the Asugrana. No, I totally get I totally get Rob's point actually, you know, it, it was uh, Cerro Porteño's best game. Uh, uh, even his their coach said it after after the game was over. I mean, this, this was the their best game in what three years probably. They were probably waiting for a performance like this, especially uh, against Libertad, which is a team that has gone to that stadium and and, and beat them several times. And, and and it was a battle against these two teams for the tournament right now and you had to keep in mind, though, that Libertad came into this game with the advantage. I mean, they knew that Cerro Porteño was the team that that, that needed the points, that, that needed the win. Maybe they were even thinking of drawing this game. I, I thought maybe it was part of the strategy of Libertad just giving Cerro Porteño the ball just because Cerro Porteño is a dominant team with the possession. So you were kind of waiting for that. But... Uh, I was also waiting for a response from Libertad, and that never actually came. Or that never happened in, in the game. So I think, you know, as some commentators like to say, only one team showed up. Uh, Libertad really never showed up to this match. I mean, we were waiting a lot more to, to see a lot more from Julio Ciso. We were waiting to see a lot more from Roque Santa Cruz. Uh, I was waiting to see something out of that midfield between you know, Cristian Riveros and Ernesto Caballero, and they were uh, surpassed, really, by, by, by Cerro Porteño's midfield, and especially Claudio Aquino. I mean, he kind of took over, just like it happened in, uh, against Colón. I, I think, you know, he was probably the leader in, in that midfield for Cerro Porteño. And, you know, when he's turned on, when he's doing those, those important plays, when he's even scoring, because he, he opened the game up with, with, a, with a brilliant goal from, from outside uh, uh, the, the box so you know when he's doing all that stuff in the game when he's putting all the passes for, for his teammates uh you, you know that Cerro Porteño is going to do the job a lot easier and they don't have another player like him so when he's working when he's doing the right things you, you're expecting Cerro Porteño to have a great game uh, I do think like just like Rafa was saying they kind of found their identity again in that second half against Colonia Libertadores and that came right before this Libertad game. So I think it was the great boost boost for them to play against Libertad. And th this was their best game. Um, uh, I think there's a lot more positive than negative for, for Cerro Porteño, obviously, after playing this game, especially seeing that, that, they, that, that they got a lot closer to Libertad and, and now they, they, they pretty much depend on themselves. If Libertad would have won this game, they, they would have probably been gone. And it would have been a lot harder to catch up to them. So I, I think it's it's the best thing that could have happened to the tournament also just now because you have the whole second half of the tournament and, and you're going to be on top of these two teams. Even maybe a chance for other teams to catch up. I mean, who knows? If these two teams lose a couple of more games, you might have Resistencia back in the fight. You might have another team back in there, Nacional. Uh, I'm not expecting much more from the other teams, but maybe, maybe we have... Uh, three or four teams going up for right now is still in between these two teams and 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 Cerro Porteño really showed that they wanted it in, in this game against Libertad they, they looked hungry and they they really went uh, at, for it well obviously going into the games that we saw midweek you know literally just days after this game we saw both Libertad and Cerro Porteño in action we saw Libertad play last night at the time of recording against Resistente like you have mentioned uh, Fede, they were winning 1-0 thanks to a goal from Julio Enciso. Again, 
11 goals, another goal for him. And even though what we didn't see in the game against Cedro, I guess the scouts that are coming from Europe are still interested in this kid. And so he's still showing up, even if it's not in all the games. And it almost went badly, actually, for the Urethat, as in the last three minutes of the game, Tiburon Torres' Resistentia scored twice in three minutes. Uh, that almost gave him the three points, which would have been a famous win and would have actually given Cedro Porteño a bit of hope of, to be able to take top of the table. But it took a last-minute draw from Lorenzo Megalejo to make it 2-2 on the night. Regardless of that, the following day, Cedro Porteño took on Tacuaru at the Defensores del Chaco, hoping that Cerro Porteño can get the win. Uh, but you have to remember, this was this is a Tacuaru side. I think that, you know, we're, I think had only had two wins in their last four games. So, you know, they were on some good form, despite everyone saying that maybe it wasn't a team that might be a pushover. And boy, they were not a pushover at all. 2-0 on the day, Ralph. I'll go to you on this one. What the hell did we see? Because this was just one-way traffic. What we saw with one-way traffic from Libertad, Boy, they got a taste of their own medicine from, from Taquadu. Goals from Valdez and Vera to give all three points to Taquadu and now cut the gap to still one point where Cedro could have taken a even bigger advantage to take go top of the table, but they failed to do so. Yeah, that's right. I mean, this is for all that effort the Cedro game gave in the game against Libertad, then this comes thick and fast and what we had seen was they were already depleted by injury. Uh, Lucena had gone off in the game against Libertad, and uh, so had Sergio Diaz at halftime. Ne- neither of those played today, uh, today as we record in the match against Taquaru. So Chiqui is already thinking, well, I have to play the Ameliano game, then we have to go to, to or Peñarola coming here. So then he, he has all these things in his mind, like trying to balance the team. And he's, he's running out of central midfielders. So what happens in the game? In eight minutes, Pires de Mota is injured, the central midfielder, and he's run out. He doesn't have any on the bench. Uh, so he has Carascal playing, and then he has to try and, you know, fit square pegs into round holes. And he decides to go for, um, he brings on Vargas, a left back, and he puts his left back, uh, Alan Rodriguez, kind of more into the middle, but it's, it's not his natural position. And with that, I think what Takwari did very well with their manager is they sense this opportunity. And, and Takwari is a, a team that's quite famous for playing like a low block counter-attack football. But actually in that first half, they, they dominated possession because they realized, well, Serra have got nothing in midfield. Carascal can't hold this on his own. And, and they really took the game to Serra. I mean, they, they created more chances in the first half and they, and they got their reward. It's, it was a goal from a from a set piece, from a corner. And from that, Cerro were, were struggling because in the second half, again, they try and make a few changes, I guess. Uh, uh, Moreno Martins had started the game. He comes off and they they try and do something with Alfio Oviedo, who's another player who's just come back from injury. So you can see how how we've talked about the squad at Cerro, that it's not as strong, it's not as deep as, as Libertad. And there they were really really stretching and and the second goal comes from I think is a mistake by Carascal and then maybe Benitez as well but it's like those tired sloppy mistakes that the Cerro were making as, a, as they really struggled in that game they came alive at the very very end but it was too late because I mean Alfio Oviedo hits the bar I think Aquino has a couple of good chances but then Aquino is also injured I mean Aquino got injured 
twisted his ankle, he, he did like this, uh, for the people listening, he did like the substitution si sign. And they're like, no, we, we don't have any more. We've, we've already made three substitutions. So he had to play on that last 20 minutes, um, kind of almost limping through those last 20 minutes. So I think what happened tonight, not to take away from Takwaru, who what they did really well was took advantage of the situation and, and really took the game to Cerro. But it, you just saw the, the team were on their last legs. And let's see what kind of side they put against Ameliano at the weekend before the Libertadores, because they, they need to rest. These guys just need to rest up for the Peñarol match, which I think if you have to juggle between the two, the, the Peñarol game is the big one. That's the hardest thing for, for the Paraguayan teams, right? Play every three days and try to keep your your base of players healthy. I think that's been the hardest part for Cerro Porteño during this lapse of games. Um, uh, they, they pretty much lost a, a, a player for every game, and that's how that's happened over the last four or five games. And very important players, you know, in defense, in midfield, and we, we talked about the forwards that, that Cerro were missing uh, for these important games in Libertadores, especially against Colón. They got a couple back, like just Rafa was saying, Alfio Biel, you know, that's 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 just what's going to happen. And, and you're going to have to work around that. That's, that's the coach's job. I mean, you, you can't really go from playing your best game in, in three years to this. I mean, that's the big shock for me. That's the big surprise. I mean, not, not, not have, not get as many chances as you're accustomed to see from Cerro Porteño and not handle the, the game the proper way. So yeah, it's, it's not easy to be there on the lead it's not easy to be there on top and have the pressure uh, on you i think that that was that, that kind of happened to libertad against cerro porteño and that might have happened to cerro porteño against taquari also you, you know cerro had the pressure of, of having to win the game uh, and and they they really didn't handle it really uh, very well and and taquari just just knew what was going to happen in the game just as Ralph was saying that they knew that their uh, game plan had to be play on the counter attack they they don't have much to do damage up there they don't have a strong forwards uh, but they do have a really nice midfield and Robert Pereira has been around for a couple of weeks now so he knows his players a little bit better and just like Roberto was saying they, they won a couple of games uh, uh, recently and that's kind of uh, put their morale uh, uh, up there just for these kind of games and you know, when, when these small teams go up against Cerro, Olympia, what I need, they want to show off. You know, these are the games where the players can make the, uh, the difference and, and they can be on the highlights for the rest of the week. And, uh, you know, Taquari players are going to love that. You know, nobody's going to talk about Cerro now. They're going to talk about the goals that were made from Taquari and, and the big surprise. And it was a surprise to see this result midweek. Uh, I, I think nobody was waiting for it. I, I said Potenia was the big favorite, but hey, I love this competition. I love the small teams beating uh, the big fish. Now, Maria, I want to go to you on this one because after what we saw from both Libertad and Cerro, and I think we could still agree that perhaps we look at these two teams as the favorites. One of them will definitely win the league title. But having said that, after what we saw, do you think that there's still a chance that maybe we can, and I'll actually ask all of you guys, uh, to, to, if you guys are curious to, to answer, do we maybe see a shift in other teams now saying, wait a minute, look at these teams. They are definitely beatable. If teams that are of much lesser caliber are able to get results against teams that are better, does that motivate the other teams and say, hang on, 
let's make it a race. Let's include ourselves in that race and not leave it to these two guys. I'll, I'll, I'll go to you first on this one. Yes, absolutely. Definitely. That's something that any team can dream of, you know, uh, going against big teams and, and actually doing something and, and showing off what they are capable of. I think that's uh, like the motivation every time that they actually play. So, you know, for teams like Resistencia, you know, looking at them and seeing, hey, you know, these guys are top of the table, you know, if they can do it, we can do it. So, um, you know, when they play the big guys, uh, Olympia, Cerro, Guarani, Libertad, it's like you guys said, it's like their time to shine and, and not just for the team to shine, but also for the players individually, you know, you can have players, uh, who knows, there, there could be uh, recruiters around watching them and then, you know, they go to that team next year. So for, for them, it's definitely a, a must do well time. I don't know if there's a word for that, but, <laughs> but yeah, it's a definitely time to shine and, um, nothing can go wrong. Everything that they absolutely, that they, um, trained for is, is, you know, is that they have to put it to play at this time. So, yeah, I think it's definitely a, a something to look forward to that for them. For Resistencia, I mean, they're the most interesting. I'm just looking at the table here. They, they've scored 21 goals, and only Libertad and Cerro have actually scored more. So Resistencia are like quite an interesting side because they can get out of situations by attacking. They, they're not a team that has to hold on and, and not concede to try and win games, which is what happened against Libertad. I mean, they didn't win in the end, but they conceded a very early goal to Julio and Ciso, but then they were able to fight back and find two goals uh, later on in the match. So resistance are exciting. And, and Tiburon Torres, just to remind, I mean, he won the league with Libertad. He won the league with Cerro. He's a, he's a manager of pedigree. He's, he's won championships before. So he's... That, that's a team that you probably think they're not going to make it because it's the, these small teams have never have never really made it since. Oh, I, I can't even think of the last time like a smaller side was winning the league. Maybe like a Sol, Sol de America is even a historic team, but that's in like the 80s. So whether they can go the full way, I don't know, but, but they're in quite a good position there. And then Olympia, I would say maybe not. Olympia on almost the same points, but Olympia have the Libertadores. So the teams that have the, the double competition like Cerro and Olympia, but don't have the squad capabilities, it's going to be hard. So if you had to look at one that could maybe um, put a cat among the pigeons, let's say it's, it's going to be resistance here, I think. Let's see if they can repeat it though in the second half of the of the tournament. That obviously that's going to be the big challenge for for Resistencia. But hey, they they got this. They they got here so far, and props to them. I mean, props to the to the to the work that Roberto Torres is doing. And just just as Ralph was saying, they've scored so many goals. And if you look at most of their score sheets, they they've actually had several games where they scored more than three goals, which is something that you don't see much here in the Paraguayan league. So so yeah, they they've been pretty pretty hot scoring and I, I most most of it all most of all I like their attacking football uh, uh, you know we just talked about Takwari they play a counter attack uh, General Caballero which is another one of the new teams on on the first division they try to like play like a balanced football it's not it's not a, either defend it's not more defensive football or an attacking football but Resistencia 
you're gonna get you're gonna get attacked by them. I mean, they, they went to Lever Task Ground and they didn't put more defensive players in. They actually played the same way they've been playing so far. And I love that about a, a team, you know, that they, they don't care about the, the, the shirt that's in front of them. They're gonna play their style and they're gonna go out there and, and give it their all. Uh, obviously, if you beat if you almost beat Libertad, now you have to beat Takwari uh, on the weekend. Right now, Resistencia, they are not even thinking about going back to the second division because they have like what 10 12 points ahead of, of the other teams that just got to the first division so the, their mindset has to be uh, above now you know they have to go one step beyond this uh they have to either qualify for a sudamericana a libertadores next year and and or try to challenge one of the big teams for for the for the title but you know i think they have their feet on uh, on their ground and I, I think every player in in that team knows what they're doing and we have pretty exciting players on that team, actually. Uh, players that probably didn't make it in, in bigger teams and are getting maybe uh, another chance in this resistencia. There's a lot of stories like that on uh, on that roster. Um, it would be kind of, you know, fun, I guess, besides always see, you know, besides us being fans of our own teams, you know, I think it would be fun to see a different team win, you know, the, 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 the season, so. That would be something interesting, I guess. It's been a while since we've seen one of the non-big powerhouse teams win this league. And, you know, I think what we saw over the last few days is thinking, okay, wait a minute, it is open for everyone. And there is that sort of unpredictability. Yes, you would think nine times out of 10 that the top teams with the bigger pay, pay, uh, paychecks and better players will win. But I think what we saw from Resistencia and from Takwadu is thinking, okay, I think we can see something different now. And I think now as we switch gears to where, you know, these big Paraguayan teams are looking into hoping not to get shocked by the lower teams, these Paraguayan teams shifting gears to the Copa Libertadores are looking to then also make their stamp against the Brazilians and the Argentines. So we look into the Copa Libertadores real quick. Uh, looking into some of the groups that we have. Firstly, let's go to Libertad's group. They actually were able to get a win against Caracas, a 2-1 win. And now we'll have to take on Atletico Paranaense, the reigning um, Copa Suamericana champion over there at the Defensores del Chaco. They'll take on them next week. Uh, looking at as well as Cedro's group with Olimpia, they will be hosting Peñarol, uh, a Peñarol side that actually ended up beating Olimpia over there in Montevideo a couple of days ago, and Olimpia taking on a Colón side that ended up losing to Cedro Porteño. So you got three teams there looking to make a stamp. And Fed, I'll go to you on this one first, because I think looking at it, really, for all these three sides, it, it's, it's the case of getting the points necessary Cedro Porteño got a really big win over Colón uh, where they were losing early in the first half and then ended up scoring three times to win the game. I would assume that if they were able to get this win against Peñarol, that puts them in really good pole position, not just to go to the round of 16, but to win the group. And, in, and for Olympia's case, they need to win this one. They, 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 it's, it's no excuse whatsoever for an Olympia side to not get any sort of result that is not a win, especially playing at home. Yeah, you know, you have Olympia. They already played two games, just as Libertad and, and Cerro Porteño. But Olympia is probably on, on a tighter situation just because they haven't been able to win yet. 
Um, I, I don't know what sense you guys got uh, out of this Libertadores so far. I, I'm seeing, you know, it's competition. It's pretty, it's pretty fair right here. I mean, I'm not seeing big scores. I'm not seeing a, a big team yet in Libertadores. So I mean, we saw Palmeiras smash a, a Bolivian side 8-1. I mean, I don't know if that's a fair parameter, but yeah, you got that in terms of big scores. Yeah, but you know you're getting a lot of ties. I'm getting, I'm seeing a lot of one zero uh, tight games, and and I'm kind of surprised actually by that. It's actually a very competitive season, apparently, uh, at least if, uh, as it's starting out that way in Libertadores. And I, I think Olivia they deserved a little bit more in, in Montevideo. You know, uh, I think that wasn't a fair uh, result to be honest, just looking at the match. And but yeah, they have to they have to get a lot better especially with things that are happening in the locker room with players and with the head coach also they're taking the right calls there's a, it is a season to see new players to give opportunities to young players and that's usually not easy to handle for the coach you know uh, working through that process of becoming a star of becoming a big player in a big team and i do think olivia is kind of starting to struggle in that uh, after uh, after getting to this stage, which I think is already an achievement itself, to be in a to be for Olympia to be here in the group stage after all the teams that they beat, uh, it's a big achievement for them this year. I, I don't think they should be aiming that high in Libertadores, but I do obviously want to see them fight, uh, fight it, and and hopefully see that that they get back into this group because I would love for them, especially in that last game of the of the group stage. Uh, against Cerro Porteño, you know, I want to see a final in that game. I want to see both teams going for something in, in that last game. I hope Olympia doesn't get to that game eliminated or something like that. And, you know, for Cerro Porteño, it was just key to win that game against Colón and put them back in their place, uh, especially just, just because getting that result means that you have some some uh, margin for the for error. And uh, the same thing I would say for Libertad. They, they had a great result in, in, in La Paz. I don't think many teams uh, are going to draw up there against the strongest. Paranaense is not having their best moment right now as the Brazilian league just kicked away. They're in, in one of the last spots. They barely beat the strongest 1-0 last week. So maybe it is that it is a good moment to play against these uh, Brazilian teams just because they're starting out their season. Most of these teams are, are are hiring new players, but those new players are not available yet for the Brasileira, which is a long uh, tournament. You know, you usually see the best of the Brazilian teams in the second half of the year. So maybe it's your opportunity, just like it was for Guaidenia also in Sudamericana. They, they got to tie against Inter in, in Porto Alegre. So it, maybe it is those opportunities to be, to be these... Uh, uh, Brazilian sides. I, I hope Libertad can can do that. They they, they kind of need a, a big game like that against a, a powerhouse, a big team, just to show it to the to the continent and to show it to themselves that you know that they're a strong team and that they can get back uh, into Libertad, especially uh, after losing some ground in in the in the local league. Yeah, I agree that the Libertad have got arguably one of the easiest Brazilian sides now. Because well maybe also there's America Mineiro um, that that are new very new to the competition as well but but Paranaense haven't scored yet in the local league I think they just came off a big win but in the Copa Brazil against the side like a regional side so they, I think for Libertad they will they will feel at least they can take that game 
on a par. I'm trying to remember, I don't have to hand my stats. I do usually have all my stats for Libertadores, but I think they played Paranaense recently and, and managed to get a draw with them. Um, I can't remember if that was that was Sudamericano or Libertadores recently, but I think they'll they'll be giving it a go. And, and to all the problems we spoke about Cerro, about being very tired and all that kind of stuff, Libertad's the opposite. They, they keep rotating players. Their issue is going to be that maybe they rotate so much that players aren't getting unable to form some of those kind of associations or partnerships with each other because the team is always chopping and changing. Like someone like Barbosa, of course, he only played his first league game uh, last night because Barbosa had been suspended from the local league. And it meant in the local league, like the centre-back partnerships, there'd been like seven different ones or something in those opening 10 games. So that's that could be Libertad's issue. But I think on paper, they have a strong enough team to to win that game. And then the real test is for Olympia that we're talking about because um, even that Peña, yeah, Peñarol beat Olympia, um, and they, but Peñarol are very strong at home and not so, so good away, I would I would suggest. I mean, if you look at their recent Libertadores format at home, they're, they're a really good team, but but they don't they don't seem to do as much outside of the outside of their country, outside of Uruguay. So so I think for for Cerro, they should be they'll be targeting that for a win. And for Olympia, it's the big the big pressure on them that they have to do something against against Colón, who are coming, coming back. Colón, they should have just camped out in Asunción because they're getting all these games here. Yeah, and obviously, you know, Maria, I mean, looking at this one, I mean, you would think that you could feel confident for these Paraguayan sides uh, to do well in this competition. And hell, I think if they're able to get all three teams the wins that they need, that puts them in a good position to really get out of the group. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, like uh, Feather said, they have been doing well so far, and um, I, I don't think a lot of us expected them to go uh, this far into the competition. So for, for them to stay and to, to continue in the way that they're doing and, you know, staying alive in the competition, it's really, uh, it's really a lot to, to take and a lot to do for, for the teams, uh, especially you know, playing simultaneously with with uh, in the Paraguayan season, so I think that that they're doing very well, and um, you know, especially Olympia. Um, you know, they they had one of the you know one of the most competitive teams out there so far, and then also facing their rival, their major rival in the same competition. You know, in, in both uh, competitions that they're doing that they're playing in. So it's it's been a, a rough ride for most of them. Um, I expect them to keep going. Actually, I, I do hope that they get out of the stage and and see how far they they can go. Uh, obviously, aim for the highest and aim for winning the competition. But if they can't get there, you know, getting as as far as far as they can is it's you know it's still a good thing. They're still probably gonna get money out of it. Um, and, the, you know, I guess for in the sense of talking about Olympia, you know, comparing to uh, last last season, I think that they should be really proud of themselves. So I just think that they have to keep their heads up. 
Absolutely. We will definitely see what happens to all those sides in the league and also in the Copa Libertadores as we close off to another episode of Guarani Vision. So for myself, Roberto Rojas, Pede Perez, Maria Britos, and Ralph Hanna, thank you so much for listening in. See you soon.